Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hello, happy Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is fun day. Right, Peyton? Peyton would know all about fun on Sunday and like doing fun stuff because instead of going to the beach and exploring the town, she stayed at home and played on her phone. You don't hate hate Sundays. No, you don't. Would you rather be in school or would you rather be playing on your phone? Well, Sundays are right before Monday. Yeah, but it's still Sunday. Yeah, but it's, yeah, exactly. It's still Sunday. Okay. Right next to Monday. Oh, bah, humbug. Okay, uh, ready? Yeah. We bow to read a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, book the 12th, the pin... Oh, my gosh. Is there another... I can't really read that. Okay. The penultimate peril. That's hard to read on the front cover. Penultimate peril. Penultimate peril. I don't even know what that word means. Another word I learned. What, Peyton? Oh, it looks like a wave. Okay. The penultimate... Oh, man, this is going to be hard. The... It's like ultimate with pen in front of it. The penultimate peril. Okay, we'll see how many times I get that wrong. Chapter one. Certain people have said that the world is like a compound and that any time a person does not even does even the smallest thing has a stone as it is as if a stone dropped into the pond spreading circles of ripples further and further out until the entire world has been changed by one tiny action if this is true then the book that you are reading is now perfect now the perfect thing to drop into a pond the ripples will spread across the surface of the pond and the world will change until change for the better Okay, change for the with one less dreadful story for people to read and one more secret hidden at the bottom of the pond where most people will never think of looking. The miserable tale of the Baudelaire orphans will be safe in the pond's murky depths and you will be happier not to read this grim story that I have written, but instead to gaze at the rippling scum that rises to the top of the world. The Baudelaire's themselves, as they rode into in the back of a taxi, driven by a woman they scarcely knew, might have been happy to jump into a pond themselves, had they known what kind of so- story lie ahead of them as the automobile made its way among the twisting streets of the cities where the orphans had once lived. Violet and Klaus and Sonny Baudelaire gazed out the window of the car, marveling in how little the city had changed since the fire destroyed their home and took the lives of their parents and created the ripples of the Baudelaire's lives that will probably never become calm. As the taxi turned a corner, Violet saw the market where she she and her siblings had stopped for ingredients to make dinner for Count Olaf, the notorious villain who had become their guardian after the fire. Even after all this time... With Olaf's trying scheme after scheme to get his hands on the enormous fortune that the Baudelaire parents had left behind, the market looked the same as the day Justice Strauss had a kindly neighbor and a judge in the high court had first taken them there. Towering over the market was an enormous shiny building that Klaus recognized as 667 Dark Avenue where the Baudelaire's had spent 
sometime under the care of Jerome and Esme Squalor in an enormous penthouse apartment. It seemed to the Baudelaire's, it seemed to the middle Baudelaire that the building had not changed one bit since the siblings had discovered Esme's treacherous and romantic attachment to Count Olaf. Peyton, that's actually really loud, honey. And Sunny Baudelaire, who was still small enough that her view out of the window was somewhat restricted, heard a rattle of man of a manhole cover the taxi as he drove over it and remembered the underground passageway that she and her siblings had discovered, which led from the basement of 667 Dark Avenue to the ashen remains of their own home. Like the market and the penthouse, the mystery of this passageway had not changed, even though the Baudelaire's had discovered the secret organiza- organization as VFD that the children believed had constructed many passageways each mystery that the Baudelaire's discovered only revealed another mystery, and another, and another, and several more, and another, as if the three siblings were diving deeper and deeper into the pond, and all of the, all the while the city lay calm on the surface, unaware of all the unfortunate events of the orphans' live of uh, the orphans' lives. Even now, returning to the city was once their home. The Baudelaire orphans had solved a few of the mysteries, overshadowing them, out overshadowing them. They didn't know where they were headed, for instance, and they scarcely knew anything about the woman driving the automobile except her name. You must have thousands of questions, Baudelaire's, said Kit Snicket, spinning the steering wheel with her white-gloved hands. Violet, who had adroit technical uh, faculties, a phrase here which means a knack for inventing mechanical devices, admired the automobile's purring machinery as the taxi made its sharp turn through a very large metal gate and proceeded down a curvy, narrow street lined with shrubbery. I wish we had more time to talk, but it's already Tuesday, and as you scarcely have time to eat your important brunch before getting into your concierge disguises and beginning your observation is as flaneurs. Concierge? Violet asked. Flaneurs? Klaus asked. Brunch? Sunny asked. Kit smiled and maneuvered the taxi through another sharp turn. Two books of poetry skittered off the passenger seat and landed on the floor of the automobile. The Walrus and the, and the Carpenter and other poems by Lewis Carroll. The Wasteland of T.S. by Eliot. The Baudelaire's had recently received a message in code and had used the poetry of Mr. Carroll and Mr. Eliot in order to decode the message and meet Kit Oops, and meet Kit Snicket on Briny Beach. And now it seemed that perhaps Kit was still talking in riddles. A great man once said that right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumph. Do you understand what that means? Violet and Sunny turned to their brother, who was the literary expert in the family. Klaus Baudelaire had read so many books that he was practically a walking library, and he had recently taken to an important and interesting fact about the dark blue commonplace book. I think so, the middle Baudelaire said. He thinks it's he thinks that good people are more power people powerful than evil people, even if evil people are appear to be winning. Is he a member of VFD? You might say that, Kit said. Certainly his message applies to your to our current situation. As you know, our organization split up some time ago with much bitterness on both sides. The schism, Violet said. Yes, Kit agreed with a sigh. The schism, VF, the schism, VFD was once united as a group of volunteers trying to extinguish fires, both literally and figuratively. But now there are two groups of bitter enemies. Some of us continue to extinguish fires, but others have turned to much less noble schemes. 
Olaf, Sonny said. The language of the, boat, of the youngest Baudelaire were still developing, but everyone in the taxi knew that Sonny meant when she, when she shuddered the name of the notorious villain. Count Olaf is one of her enemies, Kit agreed, peering into the rearview mirror and frowning. But there are many, many more who are equally wicked, perhaps even more so. If I'm not mistaken, you met two of them in the mountains. A man with a beard but no hair, and a woman with hair but no beard. There are plenty more with all sorts of hairstyles and facial facial ornaments a long time ago of course you could not you could spot vfd members by the tattoo on their ankles but now there are so many wicked people that it is impossible to keep track of all of all of our enemies and the, all the while they keep track of us in fact they may we may have some enemies behind us this very moment the Baudelaire's turned to look out of the rearview mirror and saw another taxi driving behind them quite a distance at quite a distance. Like Kit Snicket's automobile, the windows of the taxi were tinted, and so the children could not see anything through the darkened glass. Why do you think that there are enemies in that taxi, Violet asked. A taxi will pick up anyone who signals for someone, Kit said. There are countless wicked people in the world, so it follows that in the in the world, so it follows that sooner or later a taxi will pick up a wicked person. Or a noble one, Klaus pointed out. Our parents took taxis to the opera one evening when their car wouldn't start. I remember that evening, Kit replied with a faint smile. It was the performance of La Forza del Destino. Your mother was wearing a red shawl with long feathers along the edges. During an intermission, I, during intermission, I followed them to the snack bar and slipped them a box of poisonous darts before Esme Squalor could catch me. It was difficult, but as one of my comrades liked to say, to be daunted is by not difficulty, to keep heart when we have lost it, to go through intrigue spotless, to forego and even ambition when the end is gained. Who can say that is not greatness? And speaking of greatness, please hold on. We can't allow potential energy to follow us into our important brunch. When someone says when someone says that their head is spinning, they're usually using an expression here that means that they are very confused. Certainly the Baudelaire's had, oca had occasion to use the expression in this way. After listening to a person in hurried summarizing the troubles of, this, of a splintered secret organization and quoting various historical figures on a subject of wickedness while driving a taxi hurriedly towards some mysterious, unexplained errands, but... There are rare moments, the expression, when the expressions, my head, my head is spinning, refers to a time when, when one's head is actually spinning, and when Kit uttered the word brunch, one of these moments arrived, the steering wheel, white clasped firmly in her white gloves, Kit turned the taxi so sharply that it spun off the road, and the children's head, along with the rest of their bodies, spun right along with the automobile as it veered into the dense green shrubbery on the side of the road. When the taxi hitched the shrubbery, it kept spinning, and for a few seconds, the siblings saw nothing but a green blur as the car spun through the, through the shrubbery and heard nothing but the crackle of branches as they scraped alongside of the car and felt nothing but relief as they remembered to wear their seatbelts. And then all of a sudden, the Baudelaire's head stopped spinning, and they found themselves shaky but safe in a sloping lawn on the other side of the shrubbery where the taxi had come to a stop. Kit turned off the engine and sighed deeply, leaning her head against the steering wheel. I probably shouldn't do that, she said, in my condition. Conditions, and he said. 
Kit lifted her head and turned to fully face the Baudelaire's for the first time since they had entered the car. She had a kind face, but there were lines of worry across her brow, and it looked like she hadn't slept properly for quite some time. Her hair was long and messy, and she had two pencils stuck at odd angles. She was wearing a very elegant black coat, but buttoned up all the way to her chin, but tucked into her lapel was a flower that had been seen that had seen better days, a phrase here which means that had lost most of the petals and wilted considerably. If the Baudelaire's had been asking to guess Kit's condition, they would have said that she looked like a woman who had been through much hardship, and the Baudelaire's wondered if their own hardships were equally clear in the face of the clothes. I'm distraught, Kit said, using a word here that means upset. She opened the door of the taxi and sighed once more. That's my condition. I'm distraught and I'm pregnant. The un- she unhooked her seatbelt and stepped out of the car and the Baudelaire saw that she had spoken the truth. Beneath her coat, her belly had a slight but defined curve as it happened when women are expecting children. When a woman in such, in such a condition is in such a condi- condition, it is best to avoid strain, a word here that means physical activity that might endanger either the woman or the future of her offspring. Violet and Klaus could remember when their mother was pregnant with Sunny and she and spent her free time lounging in the dark largest sofa in the Baudelaire library with their father fetching lemonade and pumpersnickel toast or adjusting pillow beneath her so that she was comfortable. Occasionally, he would play one of the mother's favorite pieces of music on the mo- on the pho- phonograph. Mm, I don't know what that is. And she would rise from the sofa and dance awkwardly holding her growing belly and making faces at Violet and Klaus as they watched from the doorway. But for the most part, the third Baudelaire pregnancy was spent in quiet relaxation. The Baudelaire's felt certain that their mother had never spun a taxi cab through shrubbery during her pregnancy and were not sorry that Kit's condition did not allow her to avoid the strain of such activities. Gather all of your things, Baudelaire, Kit said, and if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to carry my things too. Just some books and perhaps in the front seat, one should never leave my be- any belongings in the taxi because you can never be sure if you see them again. If you'll see them again, please be quick about it. Our enemies are likely to turn their taxi around and find us. Kit turned away from the Baudelaire's and began to walk quietly down the sloping long when the Baudelaire's looked at one another in bewilderment. When we arrived at Briny Beach, Violet said, and saw the taxi waiting for us, just like the message said, I thought well, we were finally going to find some answers to all of our questions. But now I have more questions than I've ever had. Me too, said Klaus. What does Kit Snicket want with us? What does she mean by concierge disguises, Violet said. What did she mean by observation flaneurs? Klaus said. What's so important about brunch? Violet asked. How did she know that we we met those villains in the mountains? Klaus asked. Where is Quigley Quagmire? Violet asked, referring to a young man of whom the eldest Baudelaire was particularly fond of, who had sent a coded message to the three children. Trust, Senny said quietly, but this was the most important question of all. By trust, the youngest Baudelaire meant something along the lines of, does Kit Snicket seem like a reliable person and should we follow her? And this is often a tricky question to ask someone. Deciding whether or not to trust a person is like deciding whether or not to climb a tree because you might get a wonderful view from that highest branch or you might simply get covered in sap and for this reason people may choose to spend their times alone indoors where it's hard to get a splinter. The Baudelaire's did not know much about Kit Snicket and so it was difficult 
and so it was difficult to know their, what their future would be if they followed her down the sloping lawn towards the mysterious errands she had mentioned. In the few minutes that we've known her, Violet said, Kit Snicket has driven a taxi cab into a mass shrubbery. Normally I would be unwilling to trust such a person, but... The poster, Klaus said, as his sister's voice trailed off. I remember it too. Martha, mother said that she purchased it during intermission as a souvenir. She said that it was the most interesting time that she'd ever had at the opera, and she wanted to forget it. And she never wanted to forget it. The poster had a picture of a gun, Violet said. Remem Violet remembered, with a trail of smoke forming with the words of the title. The sunny, then Sunny nodded her head. La Forza del Destino she said. The three children gazed out of the sloping lawn. Kit Snicket had already walked quite some distance without looking back to her seat if the children were following her. Without another word, the siblings reached into the passenger seat and gathered up Kit's things, the two books of poetry that they had spotted earlier, and the cardboard folded, brimming with papers. Then they turned and began walking across the lawn, from behind the edges came a faint sound, but the children could not tell if it was a taxicab turning or just some wind rustling the shrubbery. La Forza del Destino and it is an Italian phrase here meaning the force of destiny. And destiny, it was a word here that tends to argue, tends to cause arguments among the people who use it. Some people think destiny is something that you cannot escape, such as death or cheesecake that has curdled, both of which turn, will turn up sooner or later. Other people think that destiny is a time in one's life such as the moments one becomes an adult or the instant it becomes necessary to construct a hidden a hid hiding place out of a sofa cushion. And still other people think that destiny is an invisible force like gravity or a fear of paper cuts that guides everyone through their lives, whether they're embarking on a mysterious errand, doing a treacherous deed, or deciding that a book they have begun reading is too dreadful to finish. In the opera La Forza del Destino, a various various characters are you fall in love, get married in secret, run away to mon monasteries, go to war, announce that they will re get revenge, engage in duels, and drop a gun on the floor where a fish where it where it goes off accidentally and kills someone in an incident eerily similar to the one that happened in the chapter nine of this very book. And all the while, they're trying to figure out if any of those troubles are a result of destiny. They wonder and wonder at the perils in their lives. And when, they when the final curtain is brought down, even the audience cannot be sure what the unfortunate event may be. The, Mo the Baudelaire orphans did not know what perils lie ahead of them as they followed Kit's naked down the lawn. But they wondered just as I wondered. On the fateful evening long ago, as I hurried out of the opera before a certain woman could spot me, if it was the force of destiny that was guiding their story, or something even more mysterious, even more dangerous, and even more f unfortunate. What do you think, Peyton? Um. Can't tell you. I can't tell you what I think, because I'm going to give it away. What? I can't tell you what I think, because I'm not going to give it away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.